Good morning. Welcome to South Park Church. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you all for being here today. Whether you're live in person in our traditional sanctuary or joining us from upstairs in our modern sanctuary, watching online or listening to our podcast, a lot of different ways that we can connect together, but we're one church serving the one God with one message today. And we are continuing in this new sermon series called The Way, in which we're looking at the early church in the book of Acts. And when the church first started, it wasn't even called the church. It wasn't called Christianity. It was called The Way. People were part of the way. Why is that? Because Jesus says in John's gospel, I am the way. I'm the way to God. I'm the way to life. I am also the truth. So we're looking at the early church following Christ. What does it look like to be the way? And how do we, the church, many centuries later, fall, follow in their footsteps? So glad you're here today uh, to be a part of that discussion. Um, recently, I had to take one of my cars in to be serviced. Uh, and typically, I take it to the same place. We have two different styles of car. I take it to the same place. Um, it's a national brand. If I mentioned the name to you, you would know that and say, wow, it's a pretty good place to take your car, take care of that, oil change, tire rotation, you know, fix some things that might be broken. And um, so I went, took the car, got it serviced, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know about you, but when I go to these places, they also kind of give me a list of things that I might want to look at to be fixed on my car in the near future uh, coming up. And so uh, sometimes it's hard to hear, right? You, when you go to the doctor, when you go to the dentist, uh, you know, sometimes you walk away with advice that, hey, you, these are things going well, these are things that you might want to work on. Uh, and we never hear the stuff that we want to work on very well. But so I went to get the car serviced, all that kind of stuff. And so their list to me said that I have nine crucial things that need to be done now. And eight things that are going to need to be done in the very near future. So 17 things that my car needs to be done. And it's not cheap, right? And so, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder, do I really need to do 17 things to my car in the very near future? And so, even though they give me good service, they're a national brand, good reputation, I'm thinking... I think I want a second opinion, right? We want a second opinion sometimes when we go to the doctor, sometimes we have to have dental surgery, something like that. So I asked around, found a local place that has a good reputation, took the car there, and just said, hey, could you just check the car out? Let me know how it is. Is there anything that needs to be done? I didn't tell them that there were 17 things that probably needed to be done. Just give them a blank slate. Would you be surprised that they came back and said, you have one critical issue that needs to be done now, and one that needs to be done in the near future. Seventeen things that need to be done versus two things that need to be done. Guess where I'm going to take my car in the future? Right? Right? Reputation. Right? The national group that I went to earlier kind of fell down in my eyes a little bit with their reputation. It seemed like they were asking me to do things that didn't need to be done to make money. Right, and that frustrates me. Right? So, in your life, in your place of business, or what you do, what would your reputation be in our community? In your life, personally, as a person, what is your reputation among your community, among your friends, among your family? As a church, a Christian church here in the South Park community, what's our reputation out in the community? Is it a positive reputation? Is it a negative? Is it a mixed reputation? And in the early church that was called the way, what was their reputation as people were learning about Jesus for the very first time? Today, I would like us to think about, as followers of Jesus, 
What's our reputation? How are we viewed in society? Is it a fair appraisal? Uh, is it not? Personally and also as a congregation, what does that look like? And let's go back to the early church and see what their reputation was. So we're going to be in the early part of the book of Acts. And uh, Peter has preached this amazing sermon. All these people have heard it. And thousands of people have given their life to Jesus and they formed the early church. And the early church, I'll maybe give you a spoiler, has a really good reputation. And let's see why that is. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 and see why the early church had a really good reputation. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. These are the disciples that were with Jesus, right, who were teaching them to all these new folks. And to fellowship, that means hanging out together, taking care of each other, having a good time. And to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They're eating together, they're praying together, they're worshiping, they're, they're being hospitable. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Everyone was filled with awe, believers and non-believers. They were healing people. They were casting out demons, whatever that means, right? They were doing that. They were doing these awesome things. Let's keep going. All the believers were together. They were unified and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. They loved people more than they loved stuff. They said, there's a need in the community. I've got something that's surplus. I'm going to sell it. We're going to get the money, and we're going to help people out. No one's going to be hungry in our community. No one's going to be suffering in our community. We come together. We take care of our community. All right, let's keep going. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They worshiped daily together. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, right? It's a roving party. Everyone's welcome. Come in and eat and be merry, right? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. The early church enjoyed the favor of all people, believers and non-believers. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The reputation of the way was amazing. Thousands of people were falling all over themselves to be a part of this new Jesus movement. Why is that? Right? They had a message of hope that God loves you. God has created you in God's image. God wants to be with you to give you a life that is full. When you mess up and you feel bad and you feel guilty, God's ready to forgive you. He sent his son into the world to die for you, right? There is so much hope. They had an amazing message that we still have today. It says they did signs and wonders. They helped people. They did miracles, right? They fed the hungry. They cured the sick. They, they were in care for people who were hurting, right? They also gave generously, right? When there was a need in the community and, and it cost money to take care of, maybe to get some food, to take care of children, take care of the widows who didn't have any other form of income, right? They would sell property. They would sell things. They, they'd pool their money together and say, there's not going to be a need in our community. We're going to take care of this together. They were hospitable. They opened their homes. They had dinner parties. They welcomed their neighbors. They welcomed their community, believers and non-believers. They had fun. Right? They hung out together. It was a great time. They were hospitable. They did all of this. They were inclusive. Men and women were welcome. Rich and poor were welcome. Slave and free were welcome in the homes and in the, in the congregations that emerged. Eventually, it was a Jewish movement. It, it became a Gentile movement, right? A non-Jewish, Jew and Gentile were together. They were an inclusive church, and they were bold. They stood up 
to power and authority. When power and authority were doing the wrong things, they said, this is wrong, right? And we're going to speak for the good of the community. We're going to speak for the good of God. And they stood up to the people that had Jesus, their very leader, executed, right? And when, they, when the government told them to stop and to quit doing miracles and to, and to be quiet, they say, we cannot help but to speak about this Jesus. They were bold. They used their position. They used their power to intercede on behalf of those who didn't have position and didn't have power. It's no wonder that thousands upon thousands of people are wanting to be a part of this new movement called The Way, Following Jesus. Let's keep going and see a little bit of this. So we're going to look at a couple of leaders in the early church, Paul and Silas, and they've been arrested because of their faith. Right? They've been speaking up for God. They've been doing all these miracles. They've been told to stop, and they haven't done it. So they've ended up in prison. Right? And they should probably be fearing for their lives, right? That Jesus got killed in, in the, this process. So this is what their example shows. This is their reputation, Paul and Silas. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Right? You're in prison. What are you doing? Right? They're praying. They're singing to God. Some of these are probably joyful songs, and some of them are probably sorrowful songs, like this, this is hard to be here, God. We need you to help us out. They're worshiping in difficult circumstances, right? That's an example. And the other prisoners were listening to them, right? The non-way people are listening, like, you're in prison. How are you singing? Why are you praying? What is this, right? Where are you finding comfort? Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose, right? Now, you're probably ex- anticipating jailbreak, right? The doors are open, my chains are gone, let's get the heck out of here, right? That's probably what would have happened, but not with Paul and Silas, right? The jailer woke up, right? And he, when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped, right? Evidently, the jailer's house is kind of in the prison complex. He wakes up, he's like, oh my gosh, the prisoners are gone, right? They're going to torture me. They're going to probably kill my family. Right? I'm just going to go ahead and end it now. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. So evidently, Paul has some influence with the rest of the prisoners. And he's saying, just be chill. Hang out. Right? We're going to hang out here and see what happens. Right? God's doing something here. We'll see what happens. Right? So the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Right? Through their witness of their prayers, right, their singing, their presence there, right, that was an evangelistic thing that caused this jailer to say, who is this God that you follow? Who is this God that you serve? How can I be saved like you? You have something that I would like to have, this relationship with this God. How can I be saved? Isn't that amazing, right? The witness in prison. Let's go to the next slide. So they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, right? That's the message. We're saved by our faith and what Jesus did for us. He died on a cross. He came back to life. Believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all of the others in his house. So evidently his house is in prison, right? Paul and Silas are witnessing to the family of the jailer. And, uh, and so at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his household were baptized, right? So they become believers. They're baptized as followers in the way of Jesus, right? This is amazing, right? In prison, this is going on, right? The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy, 
Because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole household. The jailer came to be filled with joy because of salvation. Right? Isn't that true? When we receive the salvation of Jesus, we are filled with joy, and that's contagious, and other people see that, and they want to say, how can I get that joy in my life? When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. Right? So this word's gotten out, and they're like, you know, what's going on here? Let these guys go. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial. Right? We were beaten without a trial, even though we we're Roman citizens. Okay, so Rome ruled the world, right? And if you weren't a Roman citizen, you were a second-class citizen. You, anything could be done to you. But Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. They had prestige. They had power. They had position, right? But these folks didn't know that. So they're thinking, oh, I'm in trouble, right? It's like being an American citizen today. It brings prestige. It brings power. It brings authority. It's an important thing to be an American citizen, right? That, that's something special. So they're Roman citizens, Right? They threw us into prison, and now do they want to get rid of us quietly? They're like, oh, we screwed up. We messed up. we got to get these guys out before we get in trouble. Right? No, let them come to, to themselves and escort us out. And so the officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. Okay. So what's going on here in this scripture? Right? Uh, we got one more. we got one more up there. Right, so they came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. And after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Right? The fact that they mentioned Lydia right, as a woman leader in the church, that was unusual in the first century. Right? Men were leaders, not women. Lydia, leader, right? inclusive church. Right? What's going on in this scripture? There's a lot. When they were in trouble, they were beaten for their faith, thrown into prison. How did they react? They prayed to God and they worshiped to God. And that influenced other prisoners. Wow. Why are they getting joy in the midst of prison? Right? Then the jailer himself and his whole household gave themselves to Jesus right, to be saved. And it says that they were saved. How are we saved? And they found out how to be saved. They gave themselves to Christ and it said they were full of joy. Right? In a prison, this miracle is happening. And then we learn that Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. They have authority. They have place in their culture. And they're using that citizenship, right, to advocate for other people who are not citizens. Right? This is a powerful movement. Standing up to power, being bold, right, sharing the gospel of Christ wherever they are and witnessing through their faith. Even in difficult times, we know that God is with us. And so the reputation of the way grew and was amazing. So this is first century, first century church, the book of Acts, the way, right, before we were called a church, before we were called Christians, right, their reputation went before them, and it was a powerful reputation, right. So I'd like for us today just to think about what is the reputation of the Christian church in general in the world, all Christians everywhere in the world today, right. I think if we were honest, it'd be a mixed reputation. I think there's a lot of great things that we can say about the church in the world today. Right? We have the same message as the first century. Right? We have the good news that God created us in God's image, that we're good, that there's a lot of goodness in our lives, and we use our gifts and abilities to make the world a better place. 
We also know that sometimes we get it wrong and we mess up and we feel guilty about that and we hurt other people, we hurt ourselves, we're going to die one day, we experience hell, which means broken relationships. And Jesus came to fix that too. He died on a cross and came back to life so that we could live a life that's full now and forever in the kingdom of, of God. Right? So we have the same message, the message of hope of Jesus, so we share that. But also the Christian church says this life is important too. We're not just going to get all the good stuff in heaven. And, and so we feed hungry people. We clothe people that don't have clothes. We find and build affordable housing for people around the world. We minister to people who were sick. And we go into prisons and, and minister to people. We build hospitals and we build schools. And we bring clean water to, to people that don't have it. Right? We, we, we love to help people in the world. And we care about families, and we, we care about people who are hurting and sick. We help people battle addictions. Right? The church in the world does amazing good all in the name of Jesus. The church historically has stood up to power and stood up to things that are, that are bad. Right? Stood up to slavery to say, this is not right. We've fought for civil rights. We stand up for the rights of children and the rights of women. Right, we've, we've fought all these battles to overcome oppression and sexism and racism and homophobia. Right? So the church in the world does so much that is great and good, and we have that reputation. But we also sometimes get it wrong, don't we? Right? The church in general, the church around the world. and You know, the biggest barrier to faith in the world today, you know what that is? It's the behavior of some Christians, some people who follow Jesus. Specifically, that we're hypocritical, that we say one thing and we do the opposite, right? We say one thing and we do the opposite. We do all that good stuff that I mentioned, and yet there's still people who are hungry in the world. There are still people uh, who are homeless. There are still people that don't have clothes on their back, right? Many of us uh, in America that have power and privilege and authority don't use that power, privilege, and authority to speak up for people who don't have that ability to speak up for themselves, some of us are Christians, and we are part of the way, and we're out in the business world. And when we get in the business world, we take our Christian hat off, and we want to make a profit so much that we don't care if we hurt a person. We see them as a means to an end, and so we lie about our product. We manipulate people. We just want to make money, and at the end of the day, that's our goal, right? And some of us who follow Jesus have some racist thoughts and tendencies. Some of us have sexist thoughts and tendencies. Some of us have homophobic thoughts and tendencies. Some of us gossip. Some of us lie. Some of us cheat. Some of us are mean. Right? And so when the world sees that behavior in the Christian church, then reputation is not one that we're proud of. Right? And sometimes we don't stand up to power when people are being abused or oppressed. Right? So it's the reality. Sometimes the church does really well, and sometimes the church does not. And so, how do we deal with that? So, let's bring it home a little bit closer to home to South Park Church, our church, right? What's our reputation in our community? What's our reputation in our world? I think I'm grateful that we do a lot of great things for Jesus, right? We have the message of hope, of the salvation of the gospel. We teach that to children and students and young adults and older adults. And we have that good news of Jesus, the salvation of Christ. And that's the number one thing that we're here is to lead people to Christ. We want to create intersections where people live life to the full in Jesus. And we believe in relationships and transformation. Uh, we believe in generosity. Those are our three core values. And we practice that. Right? So we feed people's souls. We also feed people 
mouths and stomachs, right? We go to the men's shelter every month. We're feeding people here in Charlotte. We help refugees who have fled their countries and come into our city to help them. We fight human trafficking in our city here. Uh, we go into elementary schools and we, we bring backpacks full of food to kids that don't have enough food when they go home. We try to help kids learn how to read, right? We don't just limit it to Charlotte. Wait, we have an amazing ministry in Haiti where we, uh, we provide clean water to entire communities in Haiti. We have a school and a church that we support there. We have over 50 kids that we sponsor to, to go to school and to get hot meals every day where normally they wouldn't get those. You guys are so generous in doing that. Uh, we came together one Christmas and we gave money to eradicate medical debt. And we partnered with some other people and we wiped out $4.5 million worth of medical debt in the Southeast. That's incredible. Right? We're, we're doing that in the name of Jesus. We're, we're doing amazing things. We're becoming a community center here in our new campus, which is what we designed it for, where people from all walks of life are coming into this place to know Jesus. And we're, we're doing that. Right? I, we all were heartbroken at the fire that broke out in South Park this week. They're saying it could be probably the most intense fire that happened in the history of Charlotte. And it breaks our hearts, right? And so I've reached out on behalf of the church through our South Park context to reach out to the developer and say, is there anything that we can do to help? And we're waiting to hear back what that is. And I'll keep you in touch if there's something specific that we can do. But now we need to pray, right? We need to pray for the family of DeMonte Cheryl. Uh, and also for Reuben Holmes, the two men that died in the fire. They were working in there. One of them has four children, right? We need to pray for them. How can we help, right? That, that's why we're placed here is to make a difference in our community, and we're doing that, and I thank you for that. But there's also things that we probably could do a little bit more of. Maybe we could be more inclusive. Maybe we could speak up to power more often using our power and our authority. Right? I'm sure some of us here are wrestling with racism in our hearts or sexism or homophobia in our lives. Right? Some of us are probably judgmental of other people. Some of us are probably gossiping of other people. Right? Some of us have some anger that we take out on other people. Some of us might not be practicing ethical business practices. Right? And so there are still people in Charlotte that are hungry, who are homeless, who are not getting an education. Right? There's always more for us to do. But I really believe that the good outweighs the bad in our church and in the Christian church. But it's something that we should pay attention to, right? We should never just rest on our laurels and say, ha, we made it. We've done everything. There's nothing else for us to do, right? We want to think about that reputation. And sometimes, right, the church is judged um, in a way that I would just say is, is misunderstood. Sometimes people don't realize that the church doesn't have unlimited amounts of money or unlimited amount of, of hours in the day to volunteer. And so sometimes when we can't solve every problem, right, we're doing the best that we can. And at some point, right, that's all we can do is what we're doing, right, to give it our best. Now, one thing I would say that I think we should be careful, though, if we're trying to create a good reputation in the community, we want people to love and respect us like they loved the way in the first century, like everybody loved the early church, all that kind of stuff, right? Now, we got to take a time out. They didn't have social media back then. If they had social media, some of them would be ripping the early church. You know they would have been, right? But in our lives, we got to be careful not to be so pleasing Right, that we want our reputation to be so good and everybody like us so much that we sacrifice our core values and beliefs. Right? 
it's okay for the church to stand up for what we believe is right, even if it goes against the culture and is not popular. Sometimes being bold as the church is going to have a negative reputation in the community. Right? When churches were standing up to slavery, right, there were people in the community saying, that church is not reputable. How dare they do that? Or when churches stood up uh, for women's rights, or when churches stood up for civil rights, that wasn't popular in all communities, and so the church took a hit, right? Sometimes standing up for the right thing is not going to be the popular thing in culture. It's okay for us to push back on the culture, right? And sometimes, right, we're misunderstood. Sometimes we just make mistakes, and I think we just need to to own that and say, you know what? The reputation of Jesus is perfect, and we, we lift that up. But the reputation of followers of Jesus, sometimes we get it right, and it's beautiful. And sometimes we're human beings, and we make mistakes, and we get it wrong. And when we get it wrong, to own it and say, we messed up, we're sorry, we want to try to make that right, and we're going to move on, right? When we mess up, we're sorry, we, we, we made a mistake, we want to make it right, but don't beat yourself up past that, right? We're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But the good news about Jesus is he believes in grace and forgiveness. So even when we get it wrong, Jesus gives us another chance. Right? That's one thing in culture that I really struggle with is this cancel culture idea. Like if you've done something wrong, everybody else in society is supposed to cut you off forever, you know, they'll find something that someone did when they were 18 years old and they're now 30 or 40 years old and they're in a position of power and like, well, you know what? You were a racist when you were 18. We're going to have to remove you from culture now. How many of us have been perfect our entire lives? Never made a mistake in our entire life, right? I, I, I understand we want to call people out for negative things in life, but the cancel culture movement has no grace and no forgiveness. Jesus has a reputation of grace and forgiveness. I'm so grateful I didn't have social media when I was a teenager. I would be in so much trouble. <laughs> and I'm a pastor, right? Wouldn't you be? If everybody saw everything you ever did in your life, couldn't they pick out at least one thing to say? Bad person, big mistake, cancel them. Thanks be to God for forgiveness. Thanks be to God for grace. We don't always get it right as a church. But God gives us another chance to make things right. That's what Jesus did. He died for us. And so if you think that you're beyond hope in the world, you're wrong. God loves you. God has plans for you and is ready to forgive you and to give you a fresh start. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? As we think about what is the way, we talked about Jesus is the way. Right? Today the message clearly is reputable is the way. Right? It does matter how the world sees us, right? Our reputation is important. It's not everything, and it's not always going to be perceived correctly, but we need to think about it, right? The early church had a reputation, right? Reputable is the way. So a couple of action steps I'd like you to think about and pray about. One is this, right? What is your reputation, right? What's my reputation in life? How do my actions point people to Jesus, and how do my words point people to Jesus, how do my actions point people to Jesus? How do my words point people to Jesus? Just I, I ask you to wrestle with that this week. Right? Be conscious of that as you go about living your life as a follower of Jesus, as a member of the way. How do we point people to Jesus? Right? And then one more thing that we can do. 
when I make a mistake, own it and move forward. Hey, I messed up. That stinks, and I'm sorry. I hurt you, and I'm sorry. How can I make that right? And then move forward. I think the devil, the evil one, wants us to wrestle with so much guilt and shame when we mess up that we just get stuck there. We're like, I'm just a terrible person. I'll never be a follower of Jesus. I'll never be a person who can walk in the way. It's not true. Jesus is a God of grace. Jesus is a God of forgiveness. So, personal confession. That probably got your attention. <laughs> You're like ready to get out of here. So last week, I totally blew it as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor. Um, I had ordered uh, some gifts online uh, to be picked up at a local big national brand chain. I'd ordered some photos of my son, Nathan. We got his school pictures in. We got his football pictures in. And I ordered those so I could get them in time for Mother's Day to give to grandmothers. Because last Saturday... Uh, my family got together with Laura's family and my family all together. So it was a big Mother's Day thing on Saturday since we all work on Sunday. And so uh, we were going to do that. So I ordered, I ordered these pictures on the Monday before the Saturday. Got an email back immediately. Your pictures are ready to be picked up. I'm like, that's great, right? My mom's going to love it. Laura's mom's going to love it, right? I'm going to be the hero on Mother's Day. Right? This is going to be awesome, right? But I couldn't get there until Saturday morning right, because it's just a busy week, so I go into the place, I've got Nathan with me, he's 11 years old, my son, we go in, say, hey, I'm here to get my pictures, hey, Kyle Thompson, and she's like, oh, we don't have them, I'm like, well, I've got the email here, it says that you had them on Monday, it's like, no, we don't have them, we had a problem with the, with the printer, I said, well, you could have called me back on Monday, or emailed me on Monday, and told me, hey, got a problem, we, there's another way to get the pictures or at least save me the trip to get here. She's like, yeah, I'm sorry. We've been making calls. We must not have gotten to you. And I'm like, not good enough. <laughs> it's Mother's Day. Today we're going to go see the mother-in-law and the mother. Not good enough. Can I please see your manager? She's like, yeah, she's at the front of the store. So the manager doesn't come to me. I go to the manager. Right, I tell her, she walks back with me to the print thing, the lady repeats the whole thing again, the manager says, you know, blah, blah, I'm like, look, you had my email, you could email me, you have my phone number, you could call me, right, and, and the, man, the, the first lady was super nice, the manager had an attitude, and somehow it was my fault, right, and I'll be honest with you, that sit well with me, right, <laughs> and I said some things that a pastor really should not have said. And my 11-year-old son was so bothered by it that he went into another aisle. And then I grabbed him and we stormed out. Went to Mother's Day celebration. We had a good time. They didn't get their pictures. Came to church last Sunday. Preached a sermon to you guys. I was just feeling bad about it. We were upstairs in the modern space. Last song, Jack, you're watching from upstairs. Uh, we started singing magnify Christ, right? Christ be magnified. And the lyric is, Christ be magnified in me. And we're singing that song, man, and Jack and Jesus, like, like got right to my heart. I'm like, I did not magnify Jesus. I did not magnify Jesus to that woman who was a manager. I did not magnify Jesus to my 11-year-old son. And here I am up here preaching today, this is not right. And so I knew that after church, I had a stop to make on the way home to apologize.
And then I had a chance to call a family meeting with my family at home and to apologize to them. Now, that woman probably has no idea that I'm a pastor. And she probably definitely doesn't think I'm a follower of Jesus after what I said to her. (laughs) But I messed up. And I was wrong. And I want to magnify Jesus. I, I don't want to take away from him. And I'm glad that Jesus is a God of grace and forgiveness. And when we make a mistake, we can own it and we can try to make it right. Reputable is the way. How do you point people to Jesus with your words and with your actions? Be reputable and point people to Christ and do a better job than your pastor. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.